Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. Uh, we love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, and always in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us today. And Jonathan, we're in a little bit of an unusual situation here uh, this morning. We are, Rick. Uh, It looks like there was some kind of lightning activity last night. That's right. And so uh, our station is sort of uh, like... Um, I don't know, handicapped, crawling along, limping or something. Yes, but uh, we're able to get on anyway. Right, we're on the air. We have no uh, capacity for our intro or outro music or anything like that. But Or commercials, probably, <laughs> in, in between our breaks. So for those <laughs> folks in the WXLM listening area, you're going to be listening to us instead of commercials, I think. Uh, anyway, uh, Jonathan, what's the topic this morning? Rick, our question is, does God really love this world? And our theme text is found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. All right, and the question again, does God really love this world? We as Christians cling to the truth that God is love. We cling to its stability, its longevity, and its unchangeableness. God is love. So what does that mean and how far does that extend? Does God love all things? Does God love this world and all in it, the evil included? Does God hate? And if he does, wouldn't he be hating that which he created? What about the earth? Does God love this earth? I mean, is God green? (laughs) If he does love the earth, then will he destroy it? Folks, stay with us this morning as we look into the book that reveals the mind of God on such matters. And again, the question, does God really love this world? So, Jonathan, this is about God's viewpoint of the world in which we live and the earth on which we live. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's okay. A, so there's, there's two parts here. First, does God, and we're going we're gonna to deal with the earth first for the first hour. Okay. Does God love the earth, uh, you know, the, the uh, terra firma? <laughs> <laughs> and then does God love the world? So as we begin the discussion, and, and while I don't want to get into the, into the political climate of, you know, green and, and climate change and is it real, is it not, that's not the issue this morning. No, it's not. But the, the big question really, though, is, is God green? in terms of, is he looking to protect and preserve the earth for more than just a period of time after which it will be burned up and then it's all gone? We'll see. <laughs> and that, that's really what we <laughs> want to get to here. So as we begin this uh, conversation, folks, if you have a thought, uh, I don't know if the phone lines will work. I, I imagine they would. Our, our number is 866-985-4255, toll free, 866 866- Nine eight five for all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and, and that means we're on right now. And our website christianquestions.com. Matter of fact, I'd like one of our regular callers, if they're listening, call in now just to see, just test let the uh, call screener pick up, make sure that works. Thank you. So let's get started, Jonathan. Let's go back to the beginning because when we look at the beginning, we can figure out God's intention, and I think that's really the, the main point here. So let's go back to Genesis chapter one, verses one to five. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. All right, and that is from the New American Standard Bible. Now, a recurring theme throughout this creative process was that God saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. You, you, can, mm-hmm. you see him continually in, in, in the reiteration of the, the creation of the creative days. Uh, Moses, as he's writing that, is, is putting that in, in, in the narrative. Now, so, so he seems to be confirming he loves the earth. He sure seems to be. I mean, It he, was good. God seems to be saying, yes, what I have done here is what I wanted to do, and I like the way it came out. Right. right? I like that. <laughs> All right. So that being said, you have that recurring theme that comes up over and over and over again. Let's look now. Uh, let's go a little bit further in Genesis chapter 1. Let's go verses 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female. He created them. Okay, so first, the first thing you have, and we're going to sort of sum this up after we read this whole set of scriptures here, but the first point here is that there is a creation process that has been going on and on and on, but it's a very different kind of process when it comes to God creating man. Yes. It's, there's something entirely different. There's a, there's, a, there's a different beginning, if you will, and some different reasoning involved in that. So God creates man, male and female, and what does God do with them? God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God creates mankind in a different format, if you will, than he did the rest of the creation. And, and, and you know, Jonathan, that, that actually that speaks volumes uh, in terms of how we should be viewing God in, in, in our relationship and how we should be viewing God in his relationship to the rest of the creation because it's absolutely positively different here. Yes, it is. And we want to understand um, how that, that can work. So then let, let, let's continue with the verse. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant <clears throat> yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, and it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. So, basically, God created this environment in which there was a um, a massive vegetarian <laughs> environment for man and animals. That's right. Because he says... Um, Everything that I have created is going to partake of the the green plants of the earth for food. Yes, and the fruits from so, those plants. So you have a very specific creation with a very specific and clear design here. And so let's just finish up the scripture. God saw that he had made and beloved, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So... Let's just go back over that particular scripture, and our, our theme again, folks, for this morning is, is really a simple theme, and that is, does God really love this world? In this hour, we're going to be talking about, what does God think of the earth? Is it something that he created for longevity, 
or is it something that he created just as a temporary stopping point? Because a lot of Christian denominations, I think, believe that. I think you're right. That, you know, after a period of time, after several thousand years of inhabiting the earth, uh, God is going to, you know, light the match, so to speak, and poof, then there it goes and it's gone. Is that, was that God's intention? Or does God really love this particular planet? Now, look, God's pretty big. Yes, he is. And this is a little tiny planet in relation to the rest of the universe. That's right. I mean, it's like the speck on the speck, which is a speck on a, on a speck. Right. On a speck. On a speck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's go back through the Genesis one twenty six thirty one scripture and uh, just, just sort of put it in order. Some observations. Well, man was created in his image, Rick, and all the other creation was... Uh, let the earth bring forth. So it's it's like man came from a different perspective. The earth brought forth the other types of creation, but when it came to man, he said, no, 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 no. This one is customized. It's custom made. It's not being brought forth from the earth. It is being brought forth from my hand. Right, and man was to be the ruler of the world of this earth, a sure sign that he cared for it. Because, because he did uh, create someone to have dominion. So that gives you a sense that God was, was looking out for, for this creation. And man and woman were blessed further, indicating God's investment into this creation. So they, uh, they, they, what, what it showed is that by creating man in the way he did, God said there's something future here, something that, that I'm, I'm putting uh, in, uh, in place in terms of longevity for a very long time. And folks, incidentally, the phone lines do work. Uh, we did get a test call in, so we thank you, uh, whoever called for that. Our number is 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and... We want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Again, go to ChristianQuestions.com. And really the question is for this hour, is God green? Does he really want to preserve the earth? That's really the, the key question. A couple, couple more observations here on um, uh, uh, the, the, the nature of the creation of man and its difference from the rest. Well, man and woman were given rules. Uh, so there's more indication of his care for his creation. So they were given rules. So it wasn't just, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating life. Let me just see what happens. Let me sit back and say, oh, I wonder what it's going to be. God is not like that at no. all. So he, he puts man and woman there and he gives them very specific rules. And, uh, and, and these rules have a lot to do with obeying, with obedience, so that their dominion can be a proper kind of a dominion. And in the end, he said it was very good, which means just what it says. God had great satisfaction in his work. And you've got to think about it. If we are created in the image of God, and when we have great satisfaction in a job well done, what does that mean? It means that you've put time and effort in, and you want to be able to look, step back and look at it and say, wow, that came out really cool. Yeah. And, and I... And, to me, that's, that's what this is saying. That's, that was God's perspective on, on the creation. Well, you picture, you picture Adam tending the garden and making things just right and making them pretty and, and, and wonderful. You know, so he's, he's toiling to, to make things good. And I'm sure he, he was glad to make it his own. And it gives you, again, a sense that if God is an eternal being... Now think about this. I mean, he's eternal. We, we, don't, we don't know of a beginning, you know, without beginning, without end. If he 
is proclaiming that something he did was very good from an eternal standpoint. Wow. That, that doesn't mean, you know, to me it just gives you a sense of this is a forever very good. Yes. Yes. You know, we're, we're reading some things into this at this point, but there's plenty more scriptures we'll be getting into in the next couple of segments. But this just gives us a sense of, of where to begin uh, 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 along the lines of the question, does God love the earth? Uh, so by all appearances, God truly does love the earth. Psalm 104, verse 5. You who laid the foundation of the earth so that it should not be moved forever. So obviously it's a, it's a psalm of praise to God talking about God who laid the foundation of the earth. And it's interesting what it says, so that it should not be moved uh, forever. Um, so when you look at God and you look at the creation, the initial response ought to be that God's creation of the earth uh, and, and all in it was for a long-term purpose. Yes. And when you think about, when you think about um, eternity... When you think about the length of time that mankind has been on the earth, now no, different people are going to tell you different periods of time, but the fact is we have history that brings us back five or six thousand years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yep. I- I- even if you want to say it's ten thousand or you want to say it's twenty-five thousand years, okay, well you can say that. But the point is that is nothing in relation to a God of eternity, as you would say, a drop in the bucket. Right, right. <laughs> it's a drop of the drop in the bucket, and, and so. You get the sense that at the very beginning, God is putting things in place for a long, long term. Because when you look at the rest of the way the universe seems to work, things are, seem to be there to work perpetually. There's harmony. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, planets are in their orbits and they exactly. keep on going. And when you go into other galaxies, you have that same setup. And, and the sun is set up to burn for what? I don't know, billions and billions and billions of years. What does that tell you about the character and nature of God? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, does God really love this world? Well, coming up. So if God loves the earth so much, why did he say that he would destroy it? Or did he? Is that what was meant? That's next. Uh, and Fred, what do we have for time? And be- we're, oh, we're, we're on. on. Okay, welcome back to Christian Questions. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. <laughs> This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does God Really Love This World? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we go through this subject matter this morning, it's, it's an important subject because it's not one we, that we normally spend a lot of time thinking about in terms of our Christianity, but it's an important one because it defines how we view God. Does God love this world? Specifically, does God love the earth? That's our subject matter for the first hour. And of course, folks are, uh, can, can look at this and say, well, if God loves the earth, how come he's let us mess it up so much? And we're going to be opening that up. As, as That's we go a good through. question. Well, it is. It's an important question. Uh, let's go back to Genesis now. Go to a few chapters later. Genesis chapter 6. Now, the interesting thing about from Genesis 1 to, to Genesis 6 mm-hmm. is there's uh, 1,600 years in between. Oh, wow. Just keep it in mind. <laughs> six chapters, 1,600 years. Now, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth 
the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. So this is now the time of Noah, and you have something very strange happening here on the earth. You have the sons of God and uh, spiritual beings getting very physically involved with human beings. And these are fallen angels. Right. Right. Okay. So let, let's skip through a few verses. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So this was a bad turn of events because what was happening is that mankind was now turning to the dark side, <laughs> to, to borrow a phrase from a very famous movie, Yes. <laughs> in a very big way because of a spiritual influence that just wasn't good. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will, de- will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both men and beasts, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. So that's an interesting phrase. God is saying he's sorry that he's made them, and he's saying I'm going to destroy them all from the face of the earth. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, Jonathan, let's go over this scripture uh, and get get a sense of some of the, pull out some of the pieces of it. Well, Rick, first of all, sin had overcome the earth on both physical and a spiritual level. Okay, so he, the earth became contaminated in a in a in a pretty complete way. Yes, it did. All right, and, and, and this hybrid race was ruling not in accordance with the will of God. And that becomes a very important part because there was a dominion set. Now, man fell into sin. We know that. But still, there was a dominion set for mankind. And this, this, uh, this hybrid race uh, became the men, mighty men. Of old. Right. And, and they were the ones that were overwhelming and controlling the events of humankind. So not all of Greek mythology is incorrect. Because <laughs> yeah, they yeah. are they are presented in story form from Greek mythology. So, so oftentimes you have the, the greatest uh, uh, fictional stories have a, a kernel of truth. In they them. do. And uh, all right, let's finish these points, and then we're going to go to the phones. A contamination was so thorough that destruction loomed because it needed to be washed out. That's really the bottom line. And finally, amidst all of this, Noah and his family remained uncontaminated and faithful. And and Rick, we know he was uncontaminated uh, because later on um, in the scriptures, it talks about uh, the spies went out to check out uh, the the territory, and they came back and said, "Oh, they were they're giant like giants." Well, they used the same word giants, but they really weren't from this offspring of right. the Nephilim right. because the flood completely wiped out that impure breed. But it reminded them of it, it did what, remind what had them been of in, that in place before. Yes. So. Noah and his family were uncontaminated. They were righteous people in a very unrighteous world. And so now you're going to have God making choices and Noah being very integral in those choices. But let's go to the phones, Jonathan. All right. Well, we have Mike from Indiana. Good, mor- good morning, Mike, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hi. Um, I just wanted to point out to you that uh, the Bible were two separate creations of man, uh, that at first uh, Yahweh gave him uh, dominion over the earth and the plants and the animals. And then he complained that he didn't have anybody to tend the garden. And he created a damning man. And that uh, even the evolutionists uh, recognized that uh, modern man existed for millions of years and uh, apparently didn't build anything. And then about five or ten thousand years ago, uh, man started building cities. And uh, I just think it's, you know, very interesting that... uh, 
<coughs> the two separate creations are recorded and uh, just wanted to point that out to everybody. All right. Well, Micah, actually, we see it a little bit differently than that, but we certainly appreciate your, your thought and input on that because that is a thought that's out there. And, um, you know, the whole point is to, to put the, the ideas on the table. So thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. Take, Take care, care now. Bye. And Jonathan, just a quick comment on that. Uh, what we see the account in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and 3 is two different accounts of the same thing. Now, Genesis 1 is a summary of God created man and woman. Mm-hmm. Genesis 2 explains the process by which that was happening. See, so to me, it's not two different, uh, two different creations. It's saying, here's, here's the quick version, and here's the more detailed version. You can put them together, and they fit precisely. They really, truly do. So, but, Mike, we really, really appreciate your calling in and uh, giving us that thought. Uh, very interesting thought there. So, uh, folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about God and the earth. Does God love the earth? Is God green? Uh, You can give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues next hour, online, and all through the week. Christian Questions is live Sunday mornings and on demand with tons of topics to talk about featured in our audio archive. CQ Rewind, Facebook, and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, and you want to check out CQ Rewind. You want to sign up. You will sign up for the full edition of CQ Rewind. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a great tool for Bible study to recap the things we talk about in our normal Sunday morning program. And even if you don't agree with us, at least you can see where our reasoning came from. And then you can respond to us via email at rick at christianquestions.net or on the website or Facebook and let us know why you don't agree. That's a great thing. That's it pretty is. cool. It's, it's, it's good to have that discussion. We have a blog. You've got all these ways to get into a conversation with us. And we'd love to hear from you. It all starts at christianquestions.com. So, Jonathan, let's go back to the, um, the scripture in Genesis chapter 6. Let's pick up with verses 11 to 13. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So God looks at it, and it says everything was cor- I mean, it was, it was really a bad situation. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will, res- will destroy them with the earth. Now, this is an important phrase that we're going to be coming back to. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Yes, that is important in this discussion. And because it's helping us to understand what God sees and what he does so we can begin to take that interpretation and, and put it into, into play in other places. Exactly. So, all was to be destroyed, the earth included, because that's what it says. I, I will destroy them with the earth. So, does this destruction proclamation negate God's love for the earth? Because we were just talking in the first segment about, well, God really loved his creation. He loved what had happened. He loved what he had done. And it was very good. Remember, at the end, it was all very good. But was it completely destroyed? Well, that's something we need to talk about later on in the program. So... God is going to destroy the earth, and we know about the flood that comes, and we're going to be, uh, we're not going to be talking about the flood itself, but we're going to be talking about after the flood. But before we get to that, Jonathan, let's go back to the phones. All right, well, we have David from Indiana. Good morning, David, and welcome to Christian Questions. Thank you, sir. Hey, I was just wondering, uh, do you think there's a possibility what's happening on earth uh, is what happened in heaven, you know, initially with the casting out and all uh, from the standpoint of, you mean like disobedience and the consequences of disobedience? 
Yeah, uh, the election of, uh, you know, your free choice. Well, you know what, there's an interesting parallel between those things, because you had Satan, the original disobedient one, uh, in heaven. Uh, of course, he was, he was cast out, and, but he, all of his power wasn't taken away. And so your, your thought is actually interesting, because mankind was cast out of the garden, but all of their power wasn't taken away either. And Satan was left to develop whatever he would develop in his own sinful way, and humankind is left to develop what they're going to develop in their own sinful way. So, yeah, there is an interesting parallel between the two. Good thought. All right. Bye-bye. Dave, thanks so much. We appreciate it. And so, you know, Jonathan, that, that, that's something that's important because God does give free choice opportunity. He does. But he doesn't give free choice opportunity without an overview of consequence eventually for all free choice. Mm, okay. And I think that's the thing we got to not forget because so many times we say, well, if God gives free choice just any opportunity you know, at any time – Evil generally wins, and therefore you're, you're stepping on the free choice of people who want to do good. And I can understand that point if it all ended right there. But there is an eventual consequence for all free choice. Just saying. And we're going to talk more about that, actually, <laughs> later on in the second hour. Yeah. Okay, so after the flood. Let's get back to after the flood. And, folks, if you have a thought, love to hear from you. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And... That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we go to the after the flood scenario, I do understand that we have our commercials back, right? So our Ooh, our breaks will nice. now be normal, which is good because <laughs> <laughs> it's better that way. Okay, after the flood, Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 to 22. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And there shows you the lack of contamination on the part of Noah. He was, he was protected by God, and the first thing he does after this, this endeavor... On the on the ark is he gets off onto dry land and he builds an off altar of of, of thankfulness and an honor to the Creator exactly. for saving them. And what does God say? Then the Lord said in his heart, "I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy everything as I have done." So it's interesting. Let's go through some bullet points on this because this helps us again to understand the thinking of God in relation to this planet Earth. Noah reaffirms his humility before God. God sees this as being a good beginning. So Noah is humble before God and that's what God was always originally looking for. Now Noah is still sinful. Yes. I mean, he hasn't been lifted out of sinfulness. He was born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but his heart was for God. Yes, and God's promise of life everlasting begins to unfold, yet he does not speak of removing that sin that right. you mentioned. Right, right. So you still have it there. It's still functional, but in the context of sin, and this kind of goes back to Dave's, David from Indiana, his, 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 his thought. In the context of sin, you can still be praising and honoring the Creator. Yes. And that's really what we want to do. We, we can't do it well. We can't do it perfectly, but we can still try. Yes. We Our, can keep getting up and doing it. Right. And also another point, as I have done, implies that this promise is centered on the earth specifically. So he says, I will never again 
curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is still evil from his youth. Okay, so there's still sinfulness in you. I know that. But he says, I will not again destroy every living thing as I have done. So he's He's focused. talking about the planet. Right. And that's the important thing here. He's talking about planet Earth. Now let's go to Genesis. And folks, we're kind of rapidly going through this because we want to lay a case for the fact that we believe God cares for the earth and created the earth as a place for millions and millions and millions of years of human uh, uh, inhabitation. Habitation. So that's where we're heading with this, and we believe the scriptures teach us that. Genesis chapter 9, uh, verses 8 through 15. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. This is the sign of the covenant which I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. So here you have again some very interesting things happening. And again he talks about he destroyed the earth. And but not completely, right? Right, but it says that, and it said it a couple of times, that it he does. destroyed the earth. And that's important in understanding the thinking of God in relation to the planet earth. And let's finish this, just this text, and then we'll just a few more points. And I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So what is basically being said there is that before God did this, there were no rainbows. That's right. Because the atmosphere... Earth's atmosphere was different at that time. Mm -hmm. And so God sets the rainbow. In, and you can say, well, rainbow is just purely a scientific refraction of light through water droplets. Yes, it is. And, and God, God created it. it. That's right. <laughs> and, he, and he's using it to show through nature that he is present. I think that's a fascinating way to see it and, and just finish up that scripture. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. So God's promise takes on a more precise shape. Three points here. Never again a flood to destroy the earth and all living things. And again, when you say he destroyed the earth, you were right. He destroyed it, but he didn't like, he didn't like crumple it up and throw it away destroy it. No, he it. didn't. And that's the key. See, that's the key in understanding what destruction means from the sight in the sight of God here in relation to the earth. And Rick, the rainbow would be the symbol of this. Of the fact that it's not going to, uh, the earth is not going to come to such a, a way by water again. And Rick, the words all flesh, technically all flesh was not destroyed, nor was the earth. So, right, he says I've destroyed all flesh, but he's talking to Noah. So obviously <laughs> there's somebody. And the point is that when you see some of these statements that are very, very uh, overwhelmingly uh, general, you have to realize you have to put them in the context in which they're being said. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, does God really love this world? Coming up, let's make up our minds. Would God destroy the earth or not? This is either a massive contradiction or there's another explanation. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does God Really Love This World? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we are specifically focusing on, does God love the earth 
uh, in this hour, and the next hour we'll be talking about the world and all of the things in it. But uh, thus far we've seen that God has uh, created the earth, and everything that he created, he said... Was good, was right? Good. Yeah. So you, when you have an eternal being saying something's good, it doesn't seem to indicate that it's it's good. But you know, I'm going to throw this away in just you know, a few seconds because in terms of eternity, <laughs> that's what the last ten thousand or twenty thousand years can it be, be recycled? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got that sense. We looked at the flood, the 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 event of the flood, sixteen hundred years after mankind was created on the earth, and and in the scripture it says it several times that God destroyed the earth. Well, He didn't crumple it up and throw it away. No, and there were some people still alive. Right. Because it says he destroyed all humanity, but he really didn't destroy all humanity, and the planet still remained functional. Right. So all of that being said, folks, we're, we're love to hear from you. Your thoughts on does God love the earth? 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So... Jonathan, let's take a look at you said it'd be at the uh, end of the last segment. Okay, make up your minds. Did you? <laughs> Which is it? Which way does it go? Well, there are several scriptures that help us understand this. God's meaning regarding the earth and its destruction. Let's go to Psalm 102, 24-28. I said, Oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old ye laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens, they're the work of your hands. So you have, again, a psalm of praise. You laid the foundations of the earth. Um, the, the heavens are the work of your hands. I mean, this is, you created this. This is really a, 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 a pointing to God and his greatness, saying this is what you have done. They will perish, but you will endure. Now, we just said that the earth is going to like abide forever, right? But here it says, they will perish but you will endure. Now, what is up with that? <laughs> and continuing, yes, they will all grow old like a garment. So it says they will perish. Then it says they will all grow old. All right. Then like a cloak, they will change them and they will be changed. So it's like you're changing your coat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. All right. But you are the same and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue. Their descendants will be established before you. So you are the same. You're unchangeable. Uh, the children of your servants will continue. Their descendants will be established before you. So, J- Jonathan, this scripture seems to almost contradict itself internally. It does. So let, let's go through it. Again, the foundations of the earth are referred to in the context of the lasting heavens. All right. So you've got this this context that it's referred to, that it's, it seems like there's a lasting presence here. But then God's meaning is better defined here. He says perish. What is, how, how do we get the understanding of what, what this word perish would mean here? Compared to God's everlasting and unchangeable character. So if you've got something that never changes and then you've got something that is changeable, what is changeable perishes from what it was to change to what it can be. Yes, I like that, yeah. So the perish is not, again, a sense... A, a complete. Crumpling up and throwing away right. and then it's no longer there. Right. Perish from the standpoint of God shows his ability to completely overhaul, ending in the perishing of the old order of heavens and earth, but not ending the heavens and earth. Yes, that makes sense. And when you think about it, that's already been put in place because you originally at creation you had sort of an order of heavens and earth and you had the Garden of Eden, the, the, the place of perfection on the earth. Mm-hmm. And that changed. 
it perished, but the earth didn't go away. Right. So that order perished, but the earth would 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 support sinfulness. And what this scripture seems to be saying is there's this sense that the earth is going to change again, but not go away. So God must love the earth based on those those thoughts. And, and I think that's the point. I think God does love the earth. He does love the ground. He, he loves the ecosystem that he put in place. I think that those things were put in place as a longevity uh, project for millions and 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 millions of years. <laughs> and then maybe a few more. All right. All right. So, <laughs> again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Uh, thanks for tuning us in every Sunday morning, live from 7 to 9. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. ChristianQuestions.com. That's where everything happens. You go there for Seeker Rewind. You want to sign up for the full edition of Seeker Rewind. It is a free service. It's there as a supplement of our two-hour broadcast every Sunday morning. It gives you all the scriptures we quote. It gives you a lot of the commentary. Bonus material, graphics, illustrations. It's really amazing. It's very cool. And we got a whole team of folks that work on it to make it our happen. Our volunteer army. Yes, it's, it's cool. Again, it's a free service. You want to check it out. ChristianQuestions.com. Sign up for Seeker Rewind, the full edition. So, John, Let's go to another psalm, Psalm 119, 90 and 91. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. All right. So there's a, a, another statement of longevity here. You establish the earth and it abides. Literally, the earth stands. God built the foundation upon which it stands. And we know that God, this God of eternity, if he builds the foundation for something, it's not something that you're going to be able to send a, an OSHA inspector and find a crack. No. <laughs> you know, that's just not going to happen. He's perfect. Right, right. And it, it is an everlasting foundation. Isaiah 45, verses 18 and 19. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who formed the earth and made it, who established it, who did not create it in vain... Who formed it to be inhabited. Now that, to me, is a great scripture that, that it's amazing how you can sum up in, in like, what, three seconds what I've been trying to say for an hour. <laughs> there <now>. it is. <laughs> he uh, didn't create it in vain. No, he says he did not create it in vain, meaning he did not create it as a temporary thing that, oh man, this project really didn't work out so well. Gee, could you have imagined it coming out this bad? I just didn't plan on that. Oh, but that's not God. Now, that would be me. <laughs> right. We, and you agree. Thanks. Of course. It would be Rick. It would be Rick, for sure. Gee, this didn't work out the way I planned. But, but see, with God, he had a long-term vision with this whole, this whole prospect of the earth. And this particular scripture in Isaiah is very clear and very specific. That reminds me of the long-term vision of the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. That's a good point because we've had several scriptures that talk about God creating the foundation of the earth. Right. But yet, he, if, if that's scripture, uh, and that, that scripture is in, in, in Revelation, mm -hmm. it's talking about the lamb slain, we know Jesus. Jesus is that lamb. That we had that sacrifice already in place even before those indestructible foundations of the earth were created. Yes. So what that tells you is God is a God of foresight. 
He sees the beginning from the end. He sees what's in between. And he does things and allows things for the purpose of eventually having all of those things contribute to the fulfilling of his eternal purpose. Yes. And what it looks like, Jonathan, at this point is the earth is a major part of God's eternal purpose. It is not something that, as the scripture in Isaiah says, that was created in vain. Mm-hmm. It's not something that is only a temporary stopping place for his creation, but it says he did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. You, you know, if you build a house, and, and, and you know this is a poor example because it's all earthly and everything that we build does crumble. It does. <laughs> okay. But if you build a house, and let's say you built... Uh, let, let's go back to Roman times, okay? Just, okay. just a, a, for instance. They built these, these massive buildings and so forth uh, for their governments and the Colosseum and, and all of those things. Why is it that some of those things still stand today thousands of years later? Because they were built to last. From a human standpoint, they were built... Now, they're crumbling because they're, they're created by man. Yep. But think of the earth as built to last. You know, uh, we're not, we're not, this is not a commercial, but, you know, Ford built tough, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Eternity built tough. That's what the earth was in the eyes of God. Let's go to a few other scriptures on, on this. And, and, folks, if you have a thought, again, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Now, you know, one question to throw out, Jonathan, okay, so if we keep talking about the earth being built to last and formed it to be inhabited, well, what's going to be happening with all that? And that's coming up in the second hour. That's right. Ecclesiastes verse, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. And this is one of my favorites on this subject. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. And that word forever literally means perpetually. Now, how do we know that this is not going to change? How do we know that you hear these verses that say the earth abides forever, but then, you know, God's going to be like, well, you know, I, I said that, but I didn't really mean that. How do we know that? Psalm eighty nine thirty four. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. So when God says it, he means it. That's right. He and, doesn't lie. And when God creates something, he creates it with eternal purpose. And I think that's the important thing. So, all right. God promised. He loves the earth and created it for a specific reason. Then, if that's the case, let's throw another monkey wrench into it. Uh-oh. How, how do we explain the following? Now we're going to go to the New Testament. We've spent all our time in the Old Testament so far. But how do we explain Luke chapter 21, verse 33? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Oh, after all the talking we did. But the second part of it, my words will by no means pass away. So he's confirming that his word is true. Right. He's confirming that he, Jesus' word is true, but he's saying heaven and earth will pass away. So now we just finished saying the earth is perpetual. The foundations are not to be moved. And you have Jesus seeming to contradict that. And in the second hour, folks, we're going to be getting into does God love the world? And I think that, once we understand... See, we're separating the earth from the world on purpose. Yep. Because we need to understand the different aspects of how God's creation works. So, Jesus seems to contradict uh, what has been said in the Old Testament. He doesn't, but he seems to. Okay. All right? I like that. I know. You you weren't liking with the director. I was like, come on, stop it. (laughs) Well, Matthew 5.18... 
For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So now again, you have this Matthew 5 scripture that says, he says, until heaven and earth pass away. It's like saying, well, yeah, they're going to pass away, but until they do, you know, the, the law has to be fulfilled. So there is an expectation of heaven and earth passing away. It seems so. <laughs> You're really firm on that, huh? Yes. <laughs> well, again, so there's either a massive contradiction here, or there's another dimension of the teaching. So up to this point, Jonathan, and folks, listen, if we are not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live, and stay with us for the conversation because you don't want to miss uh, what's coming up. We've covered, in this hour, we've covered God loves the earth. The earth was that physical creation that God made, and the scriptures have told us that he created the earth to be inhabited, he created it for longevity, he created it with foundations that were not to be moved. And to me, that's, that's encouraging. It is. Now, mankind just has done a really, really, really poor job of taking care of the earth. For sure. We have done, and it doesn't matter which side of the issue you're on in terms of climate change and all of that, we've messed up the planet pretty well. Mm -hmm. But we have not messed up the planet beyond which God can't repair it. Good point. And I think that's one of the important points here to understand, is as we look at the earth and the mess we've made, should we continue making the mess? No, we should not. I mean, have respect. Have respect for the, for the, for the home that our, our, our Heavenly Father gave us. That's the thing. How do we do that? How do we have respect? And most importantly, though, how do we understand what God's intention is for the world? If the earth abides forever, does the world abide forever? Is there a difference? If there is a difference, what is it? And why is it important to understand the two? For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. That's what's coming up in the next hour. We hope... Uh, you're, you're, you're following us, us, us on this subject because it's an important subject to understand the mind of God in relation to the planet on which we live. We'll be back after the news and all that, but until then, for Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, does God really love this world? We'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Margaret Mead said, Never believe that a few caring people can't change the world, for indeed, that's all who ever have. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic for this morning? Well, Rick, our question is, does God really love this world? And our theme text is found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. 
So the theme text is pretty ominous. It is. And in the first hour, we were talking about does God really love the earth? And we found out that he does. He created the earth with longevity in mind. He created the earth to be inhabited. Uh, the scripture says the earth abides forever. All of those things put the earth in a very significant role of being there uh, for generations and generations and generations in perpetuity. And, and you said millions and millions and millions and million and million and even more millions of years. And then maybe a few more after that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you've got this sense of the earth abides forever. So now, what about the world? Does God love the world? And the difference? What's the difference between the earth and the world? Well, we're going to begin to define that as we go through. But Jonathan, when you think about does God love the world? There's a scripture that just should come barreling into your mind. It does. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So you can see that there is already a sense of a difference between the earth and the world. Yes. All right. But it says, God so loved the world. Now, that's great, but what does it mean? Does God love things as they are? Does God look at the creation and the way it operates and the way it exists and all the things happening and say, wow, this is just great. Just let's sit back and have some popcorn and watch it. This, this just glorifies my name. The sin-filled world? Yeah, are you talking about? that's the one I'm talking okay, about. Okay, yeah, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. <laughs> right, well, remember, at the end of the last hour, uh, we quoted a, a, a scripture from uh, Jesus' words, Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. All right. So, are heaven and earth really toast? <laughs> I mean, really, that's got to be the question we've got to ask here. Are heaven and earth really toast? Are they going to pass away? What does that mean? mean that's the important thing we need to understand the symbols god uses as they relate to the prophecy being given okay so god and and actually you know what before we get into this jonathan because there's a there's a there's a several layers of reasoning here okay why don't we go to the phones first all right well we have julius from connecticut good morning julius and welcome to christian questions gentlemen good morning good morning thank you <coughs> excuse me uh yes <laughs> Your determination reminds me of uh, the motto at the post office. Neither rain, nor snow, nor gloom of night will stop these couriers from their appointed rounds. <laughs> no matter what happened this morning, you're going to be on. <laughs> well, it was pretty chaotic at the beginning, but somehow it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, great, great effort. Uh, I'm glad for you. Yeah, I turned the radio on. There's nothing on. Yeah. What's going on here? Anyway, incidentally... Uh, I heard something about thunder and lightning one time that uh, it's constant around the globe. That makes sense. Somewhere, somewhere, every constant, constant, constant. And I believe also that uh, uh, there's some benefit, some uh, scientific benefit, I don't know, uh, some kind of uh, element is, uh, uh, helps the Earth. But anyway, so much for that. Yeah, Uh there's so many beautiful scriptures you brought out, and uh, I, as you might, I think you'll agree, you're scratching the surface on so many promises that God makes about the earth being beautiful again. But anyway, my favorite scripture, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. God there promises to Israel, which is applicable to the whole world. The promise is, if my people, this is... Uh, 2 Chronicles uh, 7.14. 
if my people, which are known by my name, will humble themselves, will offer prayer, will seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, he- I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins, and this is the last one, which goes to your topic, and I will heal the land. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate your call. Bye. And, and I think there, there, there's a great hint there about healing the land, about God's intention for planet Earth. He has an intention for planet Earth. It wasn't a, 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 an experiment gone awry. And this includes healing the world, doesn't and, it? And I think that's really what we need to get to now. So, Julius, thanks so much for the call, the scripture, and that promise. We need to understand the symbols God uses as they relate to the prophecies being given. So... Let's go through some prophetic utterances and try to put the symbols in place. And once you put Bible symbology in place, then the rest of it begins to speak for itself. Isaiah thirteen eleven. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and I will lay low the haughtiness of the trouble. Terrible. So you've got a very serious pronouncement here. He's going to punish the world the wicked for their iniquity, the arrogance of the proud, and the haughtiness of the terrible. This is a pronouncement of God's vengeance and judgment. Okay, very specific, yes. oh, yeah. heavy-duty pronouncement. Uh, he's punishing the world. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right? Now, God carries out that same verdict on those same people via symbolic meaning. Now, he's talking about people very specifically in Isaiah thirteen eleven, right? Right. But if we go to Isaiah thirteen thirteen. Let's hear what he says. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth, uh, and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. So the heavens and the earth can be symbols for humanity in two different positions. See, because in verse 11, he's talking about people and he's specifying the people. And then he comes back around further in the prophecy, and he's using the heavens, meaning the spiritual rulership of the world, and the earth, meaning the stable society of the earth. That helps us to understand, okay, there's a deeper meaning than just saying that he's going to move the, the earth out of her place. Because remember, the scriptures also said that the earth, the physical earth, had foundations and could not be moved. Yes. So this is not contradicting those statements of physical earth. Some can be literal, some can be symbolic. Exactly, and because we had the literal in verse 11, it's easy to see how he, the symbol comes to play in verse 13. Mm-hmm. Alright, so now let's build on that. Let's go to another uh, Old Testament prophecy and see if we can find a little bit more on this on the symbology, because you can say, oh look, Jonathan and Rick are just making this up about the, the symbols here. Well, let's look a little further, because it gets, it gets, it's easier to understand the further you go. Haggai Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, and the sea also, and the dry land. And people can say, see, there's earthquakes. But I think this means much more than that. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations. So he's, he's building upon the symbol, and now he's focusing on the nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So you have several things going on in this particular scripture. You have Here we have the defining of the symbols. The earth equals the nations. Because the, the, the scripture starts out, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. The earth equals the nations, and the heavens would equal, again, spiritual ru- rulership. 
just like in the Isaiah scripture. So one of the great things, Jonathan, is once you figure out a symbol in scripture, it's, it's easy to take it and say, okay, there's a general symbolism. It can mean this, the same thing here, and then you go to a different scripture, and it can still mean the same thing there. It's not like there's a different symbol for every single scripture. Right, right. And, and when you understand that, then the whole thing begins to make much, much, much more sense. So <clears throat> the context of this scripture is the building of the second temple. All right, And that's why it says, I will fill this house with glory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the spiritual house of God to which the glory of heavens will go. So it's in the context of building that second temple. And God is saying that I am going to have to shake up the nations of the earth, and the spiritual rulership of the earth. In other words, they're not good the way they are. Right. They are worthy of the wrath of God, and so therefore his wrath will be brought upon them for their own good. Because that's the way God works. Understand that God works for the good of his creation. He's a father. To the children. Yeah, exactly. And he works for the good of the earth. We already yeah. saw that in the first hour. And he works for, toward the good of the creation. Folks, if you have a thought, the question, does God really love this world, especially the way it is, give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And go to our website and become a Twitter follower and learn about upcoming programs and new updates posted. Our website has over 500 archived programs. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. ChristianQuestions.com. We'd love to hear your comments on, on our, our subject matter. Uh, it's a great place to go. You can, you can, like you said, Twitter. You can do the blog. You can just leave a comment. You can Facebook. You can email us directly at Rick, R-I-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. Uh, lots of ways to contact us. Let us know what you think. It's Be our friend on Facebook. <laughs> That's right. It's so much fun to hear from you folks. It really is. I can't tell you how, how much we enjoy that. So, Jonathan, let's kind of sum up where we are thus far in this conversation. What do we know so far? God does love the world, Rick. But it needs to be shaken up toward righteousness. Oh, that's for sure. All right. Now, when you say it needs to be shaken up, what do you mean by shaken up? Well, now let's remember that a lot of scripture, when it talks about the earth and destruction and all that, has a lot of symbol. Okay? And we've, we've discussed a lot of those scriptures already in this program. Now we're going to go to another one that is, again, very highly symbolic. And we know this even before we read it, because it comes from the most symbolic book of the Bible. Revelation. Chapter 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So when you say, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the first heaven and the first earth are passed away, are you saying then that the, the, the old earth gets pushed out of the way and a new one comes and replaces the physical earth? No, oh. it's a renewed heavens and a renewed earth if you look that up and if you remember the prophecy we read in the old testament where it says the earth perishes it and god changes it like a cloak yes a renewed you know the old one's worn out i'm going to renew it yep and so the symbol fits new heaven new government if you will new earth new uh, uh humanity and it says and there was no more sea no restless masses. And that's exactly what the sea often means in Scripture. It's, it shows us it's the restless masses of humanity. So not only do the symbols fit, but the Scripture clearly shows God ruling men on the earth. And that has not happened yet. No, okay? it hasn't. Because this Scripture is a very broad-based prophecy. A new heaven and a new earth implies not just in Israel, 
or not just in Israel and, and in little pockets of places where people believe in God. But this is a new... This is, this is everywhere. This is overhaul time. Now, this next text will make much more sense if we put all of the symbols in place uh, as, as we read it. Isaiah 51, 4-6. My salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. Okay, so I, he's, he is going to be judging the people. The coastlands will wait upon me, and my arm they will trust. So the coastlands, all of the lands of the earth are going to be waiting upon God. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath, for the heaven will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. So he's talking in the prophecy about the, the, the destroying of an old order and the bringing in of a new order, and all of that takes place where? On the earth. It does. It takes place on the earth. So we have uh, the earth not only being spared from utter destruction, but being shown as an eternal dwelling place for mankind. So the question now is, well, how do you get there from here? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, does God really love this world? Coming up, what do airplanes and sailboats have to do with God's plan? Are we in error or are they the airplanes and the boats? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does God Really Love This World? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Now, Jonathan, in the last segment, we were talking about several prophecies that talk about symbolism of earth, uh, heavens and earth, you know, governments and, and, and peoples and nations and so forth. Yes. And uh, the last prophecy we talked about really showed a sense of God uh, ruling over mankind on earth. And the question was, well, how do you get there from here? And so how does God plan, God's plan get there from here? If God, in fact, loves the earth... And we know he does. Yes, we do. And he created it for perpetuity. If God, in fact, loves mankind, and we know he does, mm-hmm. and he created them for perpetuity, how do you get to that from where we sit right now? Because where we sit right now, none of that looks right. Yeah, and what do airplanes and sailboats have to do with anything? <laughs> anyway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about that? And this is this is fascinating. And, and folks, I hope we don't uh, don't get you upset about flying on your next airplane flight when we read this to you. But this is a, just a, a little bit of factual information about airplanes and sailboats that is important to understand as an illustration for how God works through all of these issues uh, with the world and the earth today. This, this is this is from a book by uh, Dr. Robert Anthony. It helps to realize that an airplane spends 90% of its time in error. <laughs> right there, you stop and you go, wait a minute. <laughs> we need to take a look at that. If you could see that you could get an airplane from New York to London, even while having been in error 90% of the time, maybe you could be less critical of yourself. A sailboat cannot get from where it is to where it wants to be by traveling in a straight line. It has to zigzag. So in terms of true course, it's always in error. What is important about an airplane or a sailboat is that the errors cancel out. 
So basically what it's saying is an, an airplane will spend 90% of its time off its exact course. Off course, yes. Right. It's always making adjustments. It's always making adjustments. And if you've ever sailed on a sailboat, I have a few times in my life, uh, a sailboat cannot possibly go straight to get where it wants to go. Right. It zigs and it zags and it zigs and it zags and you got to move the sails from one side to the other. And It, it eventually gets there. It does, but you have to get out of the way because you can get knocked right off that boat. <laughs> That's <sail>. right. <laughs> and and it's, a, it's a laborious action, but it, that's how it gets to its destination. Well, here's how we can trace the, God's plan through the scriptures and through history. Because God's plan, Jonathan, the whole point of using those things is to say God's plan is not a straight line. It is not. It goes off course. Well, the plan itself doesn't go off course because remember it said those errors cancel out. Mm -hmm. But its course is zigging and zagging and going all over the place. And we would look at it, and sometimes it it looks like it's so far off course. You look and say, no, 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 it's going to the wrong direction. If you look at the world today, and you say, hey, this is all part of God's ultimate plan for the whole world of mankind to come to love Him. And you look at the world today, you say. Uh, I think you you would. Uh, you're missing it. What was in your coffee this morning? You <laughs> yeah, know? you're not seeing something clear. But the point is that God allows for all of these things, for all of these course corrections, and they're all good in His sight because He can see the end from the beginning. We can't. That's we're, right. We're stuck in the off, what feels like the off course, uh, you know, torrent going the wrong direction. The 80 or 90 years of our lives. Yes, yes. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about God's plan for the world and does God love the world. It's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I any day or time at ChristianQuestions.com. Exclusive videos, audio clips, our great rewind tool, and much, much more. Right after the show or any day this week, jump on to ChristianQuestions.com. Jump, he says. Jump. Okay, so there, there are several things here, Jonathan. We're going to have the apparently off-course direction, and then we're going to have the actual planned progress. So I'll, you do one, and I'll do the other. What's okay. the apparent off-course direction? Allow for sin to enter. The actual planned progress, though, is you allow for sin to enter, but not without consequences. Next one. Allow Satan's influence to rule. And you say, why would you do that? But it's not to the point of permanent damage. It's for a period of time. Allow man to make selfish choices. But not choices that will destroy permanently. Yes, so the nuclear war threat, don't worry. Right. God's got this. Right. Right. The nuclear war threat, don't worry. You know, the fact that we're, we're really destroying the earth, don't worry. God's got this. It can't go to a point where it's going to be permanent. That's right. Allow degradation to dominate man. But not without prophecies of hope. Allow death and suffering to rule. But only for a time and then end it. Allow for sin to enter. Okay, so let's go and o- over these one at a time. You, the first one was allow for sin to enter. Let's, okay. let, let's just go back, let's touch on that, and let's go through each of those points that we just talked about and put them to Scripture. Because once you see them illustrated in Scripture, it makes a whole lot more sense than just listing them off. That's right. But that's, that's the direction of the rest of the program here. So, to allow for sin to enter, but not without consequence. Here's the point, Jonathan. God did not intervene in the entrance of sin. He could have. Right. He could have put up the, the roadblock. He could have said, I'm not going to let this happen, but he chose not to. Genesis 3, 6 and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. 
so you have the entrance of sin. The woman had been deceived, and that deception she passed on to her husband. Her husband made Adam, the choice. Right, though. he wasn't deceived. Let's no, get it straight. He you know, wasn't. We always say, "Oh, it's fault." Well, you no, know, what? it's the man's it's, fault it's, always, right? <laughs> Just ask our wives. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this was Adam's fault. It really, really, truly was. And Adam was the one who um, had been given the original command. Adam should have known better, and he just made the wrong. He made a bad, bad choice. So you had the entrance of sin, and God didn't get in the way. God allowed it. He saw. He knew what was going to happen, but he watched it happen. Though he didn't allow sinners to remain in the garden, and this is interesting. Genesis three twenty-two to twenty-four. Then the Lord God said, "See." The man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the garden of Eden. He placed the cherub and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way of, of the tree of life. I would love to know what that all really means in terms of the cherub and the sword and all that. I don't, you know, it's hard to say. But here's the point. The point is that God watched as sin was going to enter. He watched as disobedience was going to play a significant role. He watched as man's allegiance went from him to Satan. And he did nothing. For an eternal purpose. And that's the point. You say, well, why would he do nothing? Because sometimes when, when you're a parent and your child is, is bound and determined to do something. And, you know, I, I have three kids and they're all adults now. And I am so thankful that they're all adults <laughs> now. <laughs> Matter of fact, I had a, a dinner with some of my, my coworkers the other night. And um, uh, my two daughters were with us because my son is in the Coast Guard. He's out of state. And they were with us for the dinner. And I, and I wrote thank you notes to, to different individuals. And on the thank you note to my youngest daughter, I, you know, I was just thanking each individual for being who they were and the first thing I wrote on hers was uh, uh, Amy you know, I'm, you know I'm proud of you as, as, as your dad thank you for growing up <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> because that, wonder how she took it <laughs> uh, well we have such a good relationship you know she looks back on her, her young years and she goes man that was a tough time and, but see sometimes you watch it and you have to allow things to unfold so that they can learn the lesson for a lifetime and, and that's a great example in, in the life of my own daughter is she had hard lessons in life but boy did she learn I mean she is just such a well-rounded individual now and it's through the difficulty of the experience and that's the same thinking that God has for humanity and but he said okay sin entered I understand that that's, that that's where we are man cannot have the same opportunity as he originally had though Something had to change. So he took them out of the garden so they could not keep perpetual life intact. Now they were going to die because the tree of life was what gave them the ability to sustain, to sustain human life forever. And they were unable to get to that tree of life. That had that angel with that flaming sword guarding it, whatever that meant. It was there as a detour Sin could enter, they could make their choice, but now here was the beginning of the consequences. So that's the first key, is God did allow sin to enter, and people say, well, how come God's not doing anything about it? Well, he did. He allowed us to live in consequence of sin. Yes. And just because you're in the middle of that, that's hard to accept. It's like, oh, that's not good enough because it's taking too long. Yeah, well, it's because you only live a few years and you don't understand eternity. 
Right. And I, when I say you, I mean me too. Us. <laughs> right. So, so that's the first thing. God allows for sin to enter, but there is consequence. He instituted consequences immediately and continually until the time. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. If you have any questions on our subject, give us a call or ask your questions at ChristianQuestions.com or go to our Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. All right. Second point, Jonathan, that we talked about was what? Allow Satan's influence to rule. But not to the point of permanent damage. But that doesn't mean it can't be to the point of damage. That's right. Lots of damage. Oh, yeah. So, (laughs) and again, when you think in terms of eternity, you have to think about um, what level of damage can you tolerate. See, when you think in terms of a lifetime, if, if, if your house is destroyed by a fire or a flood or struck by lightning or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that completely alters your life for a long, long, long period of time. Sure. It takes a chunk out of your life. But when you think in terms of eternity, what is that? Nothing. Yeah. So what is the level of damage that is, is allowable when you think in terms of eternity? And the answer is it's quite a bit. So God did not intervene in the mixing of, ange- of the angelic and human races, and we did touch on this in the first hour. We're just going to touch briefly on it again here. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in mortals forever, for they are flesh. Their days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of thought of their hearts was only evil continually. And so there had to be a destructive process because there was something that was not belonging to creation. And that's why God destroyed that that hybrid race, because they didn't belong. They were not part of God's eternal plan. Right. They were allowed for a very, very, very short period of time. 120 years. That doesn't seem that short. (laughs) Well, you're right. From our standpoint, it, 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 it doesn't seem that short, but from the standpoint of God, it's a long, 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 or very, very short time, what am I trying to say? So, he destroyed that corrupted world, and again, let's just read Genesis 6, 7, and 8. So, the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. And you think about that, and you say, well, how wise could God been to have said, well, I'm sorry that I made them? Well, the word sorry means to sigh or breathe strongly, like, man. Yeah, yeah look at man. this. Yeah. <laughs> man. Man. <laughs> Very well said. So, so these first two points put some things in a little bit of perspective. God allows him to enter, but there is consequence. And then God... God allows Satan's influence to rule, but not to the point of permanent damage. And when things got out of hand, where there would have been a permanent damage, because see, Jonathan, if that hybrid race had been allowed to to maintain its grip on humanity, that would have steered all of humanity far from where God's intention for humanity was. That's right. So, and, and see, that is is where we find hope. And you say. It's a, kind of a strange thing to say, but you can find great hope in destruction because sometimes destruction is necessary so that that which is stable and, and, and meant to be can be built permanently. 
Sometimes you got to take away things that just don't belong so they can re- be replaced with things that are supposed to be there and that can be there in perpetuity. That, I think, is, is how we understand that God does love the world. He showed us he loved the world by destroying at the time of, of Noah. I was thinking about the fires in California. Mm-hmm. You know how just forests are just wiped oh, out. That's, that's a sad thing. But the growth after that it is amazing it just starts fresh and anew and it develops and gets rid of all the weeds and all the knockdown trees and all the poison ivy and and <laughs> anything that you know is messing things up and it takes a long time for that to develop it does but just give it time exactly and growth naturally happens after destruction why because that's the way god built the earth, that's the way God designed things. That's the way it's meant to be. So God does love the world, and he's giving us a zigzag path, but it's going to a very specific location. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does God Really Love This World? Coming up, why do some mainstream churches teach that God hates the world when he gave his only begotten son for it? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does God Really Love This World? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we're looking at the zigzag approach that God takes to his plan. And God does love the world. He does not love the sin that's in the world, but he allows the sin that's in the world to serve a purpose for, for eternity. But it looks like it's off course. It does. It looks like it's terribly off course. But what we find is, and our next point is, God will allow man to make selfish choices, but not choices that destroy permanently. There's a great illustration of God allowing man to make selfish choices in the Old Testament that if you get the magnitude of the illustration, it really opens your eyes to this whole thing. It does. First Samuel chapter 8, verses 4-7. to seven. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us? Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me for being king over them. So the context is the nation of Israel at this young stage worked with a system of judges. That's right. They didn't have a king like the other nations of the earth. And God sanctioned judges, didn't he? That was God's... Uh, system of government, and, yes. and it, it, it originally was with Moses, and the judges, you know, worked through the the system, and 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 they administered justice and kept things in order, and it was it was by committee essentially. Mm-hmm. But all the other nations of the earth had kings, and so Ooh, now I want what they have. Yeah, well, and Samuel is getting old, and his sons are rebellious, mm-hmm. and now Samuel is the prophet, so he's the chief of the judges essentially, and he uh, and 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 the people say to Samuel, "Look, you're old, and you know, and I know your sons are rebellious." Give us a king, just like everybody else, so we don't have to deal with this. And, you know, Samuel's insulted by that. He is. Brings it to God. And what does God say? 
They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And he says, let them have their king. Now, think about that for a second. Why, if it was not the way God wanted it, why would God say to them, let them have their king? Let them have, warn them about what's going to happen and make sure that they understand the consequences, but let them have it. What, talk about a zig or a zag. Oh, yeah. That, that's a zug, man. I mean, that, <laughs> that's, a, that's like going so far off course. It is. Zug but, is not a word. But he allowed it. No, I don't think so. It's a new word Rick made up. It'll be in the Webster's next year. <laughs> Uh, so it, it is so far off course, but God allows it. Now, he, but he monitored the kings. Now, see, this is an interesting thing. God says, let them have a king. It's not my way. They're rejecting me, but he allowed it and he monitored the kings. First Samuel fifteen twenty two to 23. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Now, this Samuel is speaking to King Saul. Now, which king was King Saul? The first. The very first king. Okay, continue the scripture. Surely to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is no less a sin than divination. And stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So now, let's put this in perspective. God's way was not for Israel to have a king. But he allowed it. But he allowed it. So he's watching, and, and Saul stands head and shoulders above the people. You know, yes. He's the big, tall, mm-hmm. burly guy, mm-hmm. and everybody says, this is the guy we want this to This is rule. our king. That's right. And, 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 so, but, and God allowed the king to be in place, working side by side with Samuel. The prophet. So God's will could still be done through the king, which God didn't want there in the first place. But God was willing to work with it. Mm-hmm. It took how many generations of kings for the king to screw up? One. <laughs> <laughs> so you see that God allows man to make selfish choices, but not choices that will destroy permanently, and not choices that he doesn't watch over, not choices that he doesn't look at, that he doesn't take care of. God's hand was in it, even though it wasn't the way he wanted it to be. Right. That is powerful. And it tells you that the zig or the zag is really getting us where we want to go, because God's got this in hand. So let's go on to the, to the next point, Jonathan. Uh, what, what's the, the, the next point about the zigzag approach to his plan? Allow dead, degradation to dominate man. Yep. I have a trouble, I have trouble, trouble with that word there. Degradation. Allow degradation to dominate man, but not without prophecies of hope. Yes. Let's take a look at that now uh, in, uh, in uh, Mark chapter 15, verses 12 to 15. This is, God did not intervene in the death of Jesus. And again, you think, you, you know, why why did he have to die? That seems so dramatic. And God didn't pull back. God didn't stop it from happening because Jesus did not deserve death. Mark fifteen twelve to 15. And Pilate again answered and said unto them, What then shall I do unto him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out exceedingly, Crucify him. And Pilate, wishing to content um, the multitude released unto them Barabbas and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. So Pilate, it's a strange thing to say, is a voice of reason for just a second here. Yeah, he was. They say crucify him and he says... But what's he done? Yeah, what evil has he done? And there's no answer to the question. No. 
There isn't. Just crucify him. So Pilate unjustly allows Jesus to die. So it was through complete manner of injustice that that was allowed to happen. And you say, well, why would God do that? Because he allows injustice to rule. He allows injustice to take precedence. For eternity's purpose. And that's the point. So when you're zigging or you're zagging and, and your destination is true north, but right now you're going due east. Yeah. And you're saying, wait doesn't a minute. doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. <laughs> or you might be turning southeast. And you're saying, well, how could this possibly be? Just wait. Just watch. Just remember, eternity is a long time. And God saw it from the beginning. He knows what's at the end. And he's bringing us through the process step by step. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall. And welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday. To you, too. We have John 6:39. I should not lose anything of what he gave me but that I should raise it on the last day. When we look at the near misses of the start of atomic war, the deadly biological toxins lurking in labs that remain locked, we may fear for the planet, but we may also see hints of divine protection. Exodus fifteen seventeen, And you brought them in and planted them on the mountain of your inheritance, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands established. God does have a plan for us. And we are called to prepare the way by loving him now and living true Christian kindness and charity to our neighbors. 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And, you know, that's a great scripture because it talks about the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what needs to be reconciled? Oh, a sinful world. Mm -hmm. And where does it need to be reconciled to? God. God's way of reconciliation, Jonathan, is not to burn them all up. No, it's not. It is to bring them back. Into harmony. And that was through the ransom of Jesus. And so, Randall's right. God does have a plan for us. And those of us who are working at trying to follow his plan now, which are few and far between, incidentally, Mm -hmm. because the the, the majority of the world is not on board with that. No. Uh, But for those of us, we need to become those ministers of reconciliation to be prepared for the work uh, in the future. So, folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time. We're talking about does does God love the world? It's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, let's get back to the, the prophecy or, or to the, the, uh, the death of Jesus. Um, because, you know, we talked about God didn't get in the way of, of Jesus' um, crucifixion. And it was, it, was, it was an awful time in, in, in human history. But God knew about it ahead of time and put in place the hope that would come from such a terrible, terrible experience. Daniel 2, 44 and 45. And in the days of those kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, nor shall the sovereignty thereof be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For so much as thou sawest that a stone was cut out of a mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, that... Great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. So this is a terrific prophecy way back in Daniel's time. In the days of those kings, now this was the prophecy of the image, and remember the, it, it talked about the head, you know, Babylon, mm-hmm. Greece, Medo-Persia, and Rome, and all yes. of those things. And, yes, all those and, nations. And the ten toes were the splintering of the Roman 
kingdoms, yes. basically. And, and, you know, that's what we live with today. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, the, the splinter effect. And, and it says, referring to that, in the days of those kings shall God set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Where is this taking place? On earth. So the earth abides forever. It was it was meant for uh, inhabited being inhabited. Yes. And this prophecy is pulling it all together. Talk about nations, peoples. And nor shall the sovereignty thereof be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume these kingdoms. So through damage and destruction shall come everlasting life and peace. Destroy this present evil society and make it righteous. And that's what's meant by destroying heavens and earth shall pass away. That's what it means. It's, the, it's taking the, the, the evil of governments, the evil of nations, and, and taking those things and putting them aside so that righteousness can replace those things. And false religions, we can add to that list. Yeah, and, and you know, Jonathan, here, here's another, another point, a little bit off of, of this point, but an important one. There are several Christian uh, groups that talk about God hating the world. And I don't want to bring any publicity to them, so I'm not going to tell you who they are. But in research, getting ready for the program, I had a different. I have a terrific research team that really helps with this. Yeah. And I was shown some some information by groups that claim Christianity that make God out to be an absolute monster. They make him out to be a monster. They basically. And these are Christians. Well, they they go by, they go by that name, yes. But you know their message is well, God basically actually totally completely hates the world. And they put it to song, they do all kinds of things, and it sounds so nice, but the words are, are hideous. They are a hideous misrepresentation of Christ. They're a hideous misrepresentation of a God of love and justice and mercy and kindness. They are hideous. And because we have those elements in the Christian world, it's hard to keep things in perspective sometimes. So we have to be able to throw those things away and say, those are the things that are going to be destroyed. That kind of thinking has no place in God's plan. So, Jonathan, let's wrap this up. God allows death and, and suffering to rule, but only for a time, and then he's going to end it. Let's look at Mark chapter 13, verses 19 and 20. For those days shall be tribulation, such as there hath not been, like from the beginning of creation, which God created until now, and never shall be. And except the Lord had shortened the days, no flesh would have been saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. So this is in the prophecy of the return of Jesus. He's saying at the time of the return of Jesus, there will be a great time of trouble, and those days would bring complete and utter destruction, but God will cut that short. Right. Sounds like Armageddon. It does. It sounds like a time when things are going to completely unravel. It comes to a head. But it, God will stop it. That's the message from Jesus. And then Revelation twenty twelve to 14, as we wrap this up. I saw the dead and the small great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, even the lake of fire. Now, see, Jonathan, there's something very, very interesting here. The dead are standing before God. Even the sea gave up its dead. The restless masses gave up its dead as a result of the anarchy and all of those things. And all of these things, are, they're all standing before God in the great day of judgment. Mm-hmm. But then it talks about death and Hades giving up the dead. So the state of being dead gave up the dead. That's why Jesus came as a ransom. And when we zig and when we zag and we go through thousands of years of wondering where is God in all of this mess, this is the answer. 
the ransom of Jesus was the pivot point. And because Jesus paid the ransom for Adam, what happens is all men who died in Adam, every single one qualifies for resurrection in Jesus. And that's a promise. God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So you have that promise and the zigging and the zagging shows us God loves the world. And it says that they're all standing before God. And it's interesting that death and Hades are thrown into this lake of fire. Yes. It doesn't say the, the masses of humanity are. No. It just says death and Hades are thrown into this lake of fire. Yes. And they're destroyed. So the earth was built and created as a place for humanity to live. Those who follow after Christ will be heavenly because that's what was promised. But the rest are given opportunity on earth, on the planet that God created for them because God loves them. And that's the bottom line. That's the end result. That's the God of heaven, and that's the God that we worship. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We loved being with you, and we look forward to hearing from you on Facebook and so forth. Let us know what you think, but until next week, does God really love this world? You bet, and watch what's coming. Till next week, think about it. Think about it.